it's only when you're true to yourself ultimately that that is when uh, you go out there and really love people. It's only when you love self that you can go and and and, and love other people and be of service to other people because you know that is when you are really embodying who you should be. It's when you live and speak your truth. podcast it's been an inspiration of mine for quite a while from that first time that we met in Riviera you were photographing the surf and straight away we struck up a friendship we really found some common ground and it's been a real joy and inspiration to witness what you've been on Mm -hmm. since we first met a few years ago and One of the inspirations behind this podcast is to widen the discussion on what it means means to live a healthy and happy life. So the Grassy Hopper was born out of my own dietary changes and a lot of transformation that happened in my own life. And I think these stories of people stepping into greater levels of health, greater levels of purpose in their life, I think these are really inspiring conversations to have. Because health is not just about you know sacrificing and diets and it doesn't have to come from a negative place. It can also come from a desire to feel more alive, uh, have more purpose in your life, and just yeah, be more alive in, in general. So I want to bring these conversations of different people who inspire me with their stories, and you're the first one. <laughs> well, thank you. So really thanks for coming, it. Dave. And <clears throat> maybe we. Maybe we can start by just you explaining a little bit um, about the beginning stages of when you started to think a little bit differently about life. Sure. Um, yeah, so I think this, for me, the, the whole journey probably started, I'd say, between two to three years ago when I was finishing off at uni and I was studying economics at Manchester University, which was great. Like, I really, really enjoyed the whole experience, met some amazing people, what I studied as well was extremely interesting. But I really like I just vividly remember how as my time was, was progressing over there, um, I started to kind of think about other things, you know, alternative things to just what um, I tended to like prioritize at the time, which was you know, um, studying and, and my work life and social life and all of that and and suddenly I, to be honest I can't really like pinpoint exactly what it was but I remember starting to really kind of question what exactly uh, I was doing why I was doing it um, and as I started to like dig into that started to come across really interesting books and articles and and videos and all these talks and everything and and there was something about this like different way of looking at things, um, kind of taking a step back and really taking a, 
taking turns, so to speak, you know, on, on like what I was doing, um, it suddenly kind of halted me in my tracks. And it was quite petrifying at the time because it felt like all this kind of knowledge just kind of piled up on me and just quite overwhelming. But yeah, I, I, I remember like towards you know, the end of my degree, I started questioning what I was doing, why I was doing it, and kind of where all of this was going to take me. Um, I was very close to getting a job at an investment bank in London, which was quite confusing because prior to that kind of moment of, of, of realization, I, I had kind of geared up you know, towards that, that, that point. So it was quite confusing you know, for, for me to be around other people who kind of wanted that path and friends and family and all of that. So it was quite, I mean, in and of itself, it was quite a, a confusing time, but I, I somehow just, just kept on kept on looking, kept on trying to, to think of alternative ways of, of doing things. And yeah, I don't know if you want me to. It's <laughs> <laughs> really funny because <clears throat> I had like a very similar story. And I studied economics and yeah, it was like the career path to go into like the finance industry or work for an accounting firm or, or something like that. And I had exactly the same moment where I started thinking like, okay, if I get into this now, I'm looking at, you know, the idea mm -hmm. career mm -hmm. and, you know, my parents mm -hmm. would be very happy, but mm -hmm. will I be happy in 30 yeah. years time? And I decided, same as you, you know, all my friends were going off getting careers, you yeah. know, starting their professional life. And I decided to spend a year traveling. Mm -hmm. And that was a really formative time for me. Yeah. Um, I think you had the same experience. Exactly. I mean, uh, uh, just reflecting on it all now, I think what really struck a chord for me, it wasn't necessarily like, I don't like what I'm doing, so, you know, kind of screw it, I'm going to kind of go, go off and veer off on another path. It was more, for the first kind of time in my life, I, I, I just kind of found, found myself questioning, like, why am I doing this? You know, kind of, I had a moment of really uh, kind of, introspection uh, moment where I really started to question why I was doing and, and where all of this was, was really taking me. And I found that overwhelming because I never really um, answer, I never really asked those kind of important questions ever to myself, um, which is quite understandable, I think, in a society where ultimately, you know, you're, you, you grow up and you're constantly kind of told what to do and why to do it and you, you never really kind of tend to question any of that because it's kind of it's what's what's done you know so you kind of go through school and you go through this whole education system and and, and um, kind of constantly being you know on, on these kind of train tracks so to speak and you're slowly shifting from like one <laughs> stop to another um, but never kind of really getting off and saying, you know, is this where I want to get off and why do I want to kind of carry on on this train? Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, for me, that's how I really saw it, as, as though I, I kind of got off and, and when I got off, I looked around and I was like, okay, but why? Like, why? <laughs> um, it's funny because when I talk to my, you know, uh, especially like my grandparents or elder family members, they always said like I was the type who was always kind of, when I was a young I was always a really annoying one who would like really question everything which would really kind of annoy people but for me it was I, I always liked to kind of question why I was doing something and kind of where it was taking me it's funny this morning I was thinking like okay what what makes Dave inspiring and I think this is one of the things that I thought about about you that 
you are very reflective about your life and you're, you're taking the time to step back, really think about the life that you want to create and also the impact that you want to have with your work, the kind of projects that mm -hmm. you want to do. And as you said, I think it's quite rare in today's world to actually take the time um, to, to sit back and think about these things. And also it's scary to think about these things because more often than not, when you really stop and think, then there are a lot of things that you're doing unconsciously which you don't really want to do, which you have to stop doing. Completely. And often there's, you know, friendships, there's habits, there's ways that you've been all of your life that suddenly you think, okay, I'm going to have to change some of yeah. these, which is quite petrifying. Yeah, and, and I'll go back to saying the, the whole thing of, I, I kind of sympathise with, with people and, and with uh, people who are kind of feeling overwhelmed with, with all of this, because ultimately if you look at uh, the general society that is how we're geared towards living you know i mean the majority of people um, show up every single day to a job where they're kind of constantly told what to do and they never really question why they're doing it and um, they're constantly engaged with with digital platforms such as you know social media where you're constantly bombarded with this immense amount of noise which ultimately isn't really uh, in my opinion, it's just kind of, uh, these are all things which are um, kind of derailing you from really sitting still, taking a step back, and actually starting to reflect on what you're doing, and seeing if this is, you know, really where you want to go. Yeah. Now, we have this whole notion that you kind of, you, know, you, you, you go to school, you grow up, you get married, you have kids, you start a business, and kind of, you work really, really, really hard. And then, after all of that, maybe, if you're lucky, you'll have 10 to 15 years when you're like old and cranky <laughs> to actually like, have uh, that moment of awareness and really do what you want to do. And it's quite sad, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and reflecting on it all, it's, it's, I think it's really interesting. I don't know if I'm going off the, on, a, on a tangent here, but it's like, you know, so like when you're born, you know, you, you're super just look at kids and they're like super interested and like so kind of energized and it's it's primarily because you know the world is new to them and they're so like curious about this and that and, and have no element of fear um, and I kind of see that as well in like the elder generation you know you, you're kind of nearing the end of your life so to speak and, and you're kind of like screw it you know I mean I'm just going to do what I want say what I want feel how I want be around people how I want and and then when you look at the people, you know, the age in between that, you know, when, uh, when you're kind of conditioned by society and you're conditioned by the education system and then by work and you're kind of slowly funneled into this system. And I think once I kind of realized all of that, I was like, you know, there's no way I'm going to allow this to happen to myself. I really want to be in control mm -hmm. of myself. Yeah, I think um, also in Malta particularly it's a little bit hard because we're so tight and so close. You know, there are often, I see a lot of people really struggling with friendship groups because as soon as you start trying to do something a bit different, you're almost threatening all of the people around you who are maybe choosing to carry on the sort of more established route. And I think for me that's why traveling was such an amazing experience because I had, you know, I was away for 10 months in Peru alone. And I realized in that time, through something really simple, <laughs> that I was being in Malta who my friends and family thought I was and thought I should be. 
And there was something really small and powerful which like brought this home to me that when I was younger, I was always told that I couldn't sing, that I wasn't musical, that I was tone deaf. My sister is an amazing singer, so I was always the sporty one who couldn't sing. Yeah. And when I went to Peru in my first couple of weeks, I bought a guitar. I had already been kind of playing around a little bit on YouTube. Anyway, over there in Peru, you know, as soon as you sing like an American song, no matter how bad you are, they're all like, yeah, this is amazing. You know, they all start to tell me how amazing I was. Yeah. And so slowly, slowly, I said, okay, maybe I'm not that bad at mm -hmm. music. Maybe I'm not tone deaf. And it actually allowed me to create a whole new identity based on, okay, maybe I can sing. I'm never going to be, you know, the best singer on the planet, but I can sing enough just, you know, for my own satisfaction. Yeah. And as soon as that happened, I started realizing all of the other ways I was just being who society viewed me as. And obviously in that 10 months, I, I changed so many aspects. And in fact, coming back to Malta was a real challenge because I was coming back to my old social groups who still saw me as I was. And it, it actually was a really, really challenging time for me to just say like, no, this is the person that I want to choose to be. And I'm going to hold that no matter what friendships fall along the wayside and no matter you know what changes I have to make in my life yeah and I think you had a, a similar sort of experience from your time traveling it, it changed you a lot oh completely completely um was that something that you said like because I remember actually you I remember us meeting up and you telling me listen I want to go traveling yeah. like this is what uh -huh, I want to uh -huh, do and uh -huh. I think you were very clear on on what traveling was going to give you you had quite a strong purpose completely I, I think um if, if, if we could possibly just backtrack so I could maybe explain the whole traveling and everything. Um, so I remember kind of around two and a half years ago, I, kind of, I graduated from university and, and there was that you know, whole moment where like, you know, eyes are all on you and parents and kind of friends are all like, oh, so, you know, you're going to take that job in London or you're going to kind of do that master's degree or are you going to do this or that or, you know, this kind of whole story is kind of masked around you. Uh, and there are all these kind of expectations, which I also had of myself, you know, I'm not just kind of placing this on other people, but you, you know, you, you kind of create the sense of identity. And, and as we said, you know, it's kind of such a question, all of this. And, and for me, like traveling, it was never really, people often think like, oh, you know, you kind of face with certain problems, so you kind of run away from them and, and kind of, you know, the solution in this case was pack a bag and kind of run away and, and hit the road and kind of never come back, <laughs> in a way. Um, but actually, what I realized when I was you know, really questioning all these things was I was rather kind of running towards things. I was running towards who I not wanted to be, but who I thought I could be. Um, who are, you know, I, I was running towards what I wanted to feel, what I wanted to see, who I wanted to interact with. Uh, I was ru really running towards creating the life that I really wanted. And as you said, you know, coming from an island and, and even just kind of thinking about the whole, uh, the Western society that, that we live in, it's, it's very hard, I think, to kind of really just kind of detach yourself um, from this very kind of like solid puzzle so to speak that we've created you know where uh, we have this you know whole tribal society where one uh, feels so kind of connected to each other which is great in a certain extent but to the other side to the other extent it, it creates this whole notion i feel where within that 
society you are someone and don't you dare kind of try and question that or detract yourself from it. But anyway, I, I, I really wanted to just kind of run towards what I really wanted, what really uh, I knew deep down inside I was always kind of thinking about, it was the things that would really make me feel alive. And so I, I slowly just started kind of answering these questions, you know, I, I started uh, reading a lot about um, mindfulness and, and, and kind of alternative ways of looking at things. I, I remember it's probably the, <laughs> the time when you and I kind of coincidentally started to, you know, hang out and talk about these things. I, I, uh, I remember meeting up with, with Dara and Simon a lot as well, who were instrumental in, in, in kind of really helping me. I, I'd go to Simon's house maybe once a week and just have really amazing conversations about these things. And the more I started to kind of surround myself with, with these type of people, the, the more I, I kind of felt confident in, in what I was thinking and, and, and you know, the, the, the kind of path that I wanted to kind of, um, the kind of trajectory I wanted to kind of uh, head off towards. So in a nutshell, I mean, after six months from graduating, I had found myself um, with just like one backpack with a one-way ticket um, to Indonesia, which is actually really funny because I had absolutely no idea where I wanted to go or why I wanted to go there. It was more I just kind of wanted to go somewhere, somewhere far away where no one knew me and I didn't kind of, where I knew no one, I knew nothing. I just wanted to really find myself in the complete unknown, so to speak. And I remember you and I meeting just before the grassy in zero set up and we met in at Cafe Jubilee I think <laughs> and I remember like I was telling you all of this and you were like oh man just go for it you know go like yeah, where I was you know mentioning all these countries and this and that and I remember you saying like oh I'm going to um, this um, ashram in Bali in February and I remember thinking like what the hell is an <laughs> ashram and kind of thinking like uh, that sounds cool, like, ah, Bali, like, Bali, Bali is, like, super exotic, you know, like, you can go surfing and diving, things which I, you know, I really, really like to do. And, um, so I remember thinking, like, screw it, I'll just go to Indonesia, because, you know, if, if kind of all else fails, at least I'd know of people over there, and I can kind of just, you know, hang out with them. And so... I remember in January, I, I kind of found myself on this one-way ticket to Indonesia, um, and it was great. Like I'll never forget sitting on this on this plane and, and looking around, and I was probably the only Western <laughs> person on this plane. Everyone was like staring at me, and um, it was probably the moment when like I started to get really excited and really nervous at the same time. I was like, wow, I haven't felt this alive in ages. So yeah, pretty much like once I got to Indonesia, I, you know, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing, where I was going, but I just kind of took it day by day and we just kind of hopped from one village to another, met some fascinating people from all over the world and just started kind of discovering all of these stories and, and it started to fill me with all this confidence and, and I started to realize how I had all these all these kind of suppressed ideas and, and ways of living and thinking that suddenly just like exploded from within me, which was amazing. 
and started writing and taking notes of pictures and sharing everything with, with, with the, the people that I met. And yeah, it just kind of led me on this path towards doing some incredible, incredible things. <laughs> That's awesome, Dave. I, I want to just go back to what you said a bit earlier about the unknown. So you, you, you have that kind of personality that goes towards the unknown. Um, and I think this is something really, really interesting because, you know, I'm very interested in the hero's journey. Yeah. So this is like a pattern to all stories. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, anything from like Star Wars to the Buddha, all heroes and all people go through this cycle. Yeah. So we get this call to adventure and we can say yes or no. We go to the adventure. We always learn something. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this, this cycle of the hero and basically facing the unknown is a crucial part. And that's the part when we usually say yes or no to, to some adventure in front yeah. of us. And I've, I've always been a kind of person who seeks the unknown and jumps into things which can be a little bit scary. But I, I'm also very aware, like sometimes I'm in a situation where I feel fear and I'm like, okay, this is scary, shall I just not? And then you kind of almost push yourself to go through that barrier of fear and say like, no, no, there's something in this unknown for me. Yeah. And I think this is something really worth talking about because we all face this on a daily, weekly, monthly um, basis. And I think it's really helpful for people to just understand that, yes, there's fear, but also from facing the fear and jumping into the unknown, there's this whole world of rewards and also self-discovery that you can find. And I'm really interested in what makes us you know, say yes and what makes us say no. Mm -hmm. And I think hearing stories of people who have been in that position of fear and just done it anyway and just carried on is almost the thing that inspires us the most, to, to say yes to our own hero's journeys, in a sense. Definitely. I think, you know, this, this whole thing of fear is, is it's really interesting. It's, it's something which, which I constantly think about for a few reasons. And I think one of the, one of the first reasons is kind of you know, this whole notion of fear, firstly, kind of really questioning what exactly are you afraid of? And what are you kind of, what are you, what are you going to gain by ultimately, you know, overcoming this fear? Or uh, what are you going to gain by kind of just pushing, pushing this thing aside and kind of carrying on as normal? And I think for me, yeah, I, I just, I was always curious about this and, and it was something I always wanted to uh, just kind of discover for myself. Um, and I think a lot of it kind of goes back to the whole idea of, um, you know, if you constantly kind of surround yourself by people and by, uh, you know, when you're within a certain society and there's this, this whole notion of how you should live your life and who you should be held accountable for and all of these things of course it's 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 so understandable why you have so much you know fear because the there are all these expectations of how you should be and how you should show up and all of that and um, but i we all like within ourselves have these deep burning desires of like wanting to do things wanting wanting to really act a certain way and not for anyone else's interests but ultimately for our own interests and once I started to realize all of that, um, you know, and, and I started to think about um, 
what I was, you know, the whole journey that I was kind of about to embark on. Just to backtrack as well, when I kind of, um, so I kind of finished university and I had all these, you know, these job offers and everything and um, I had all these material possessions and all of that. And I started questioning everything and I started thinking like, oh, it would be so cool if I had to just leave it all behind, sell everything and just go off. And that excited me so much. I remember, like, I just couldn't sleep. I, I'd go off on these, like, runs, like, endless runs, endless swims, because it was just, like, racing in my mind. And what really amazed me was, like, you know, I was kind of extremely excited about all of this. It made me, for once in my life, feel extremely alive, extremely independent, like I was really holding on to or kind of finally kind of catching that person inside myself who I really knew I was and wanted to be. But as I started to share this with people, people who really mattered and still matter to me, there was such a negative response. It was always like, what are you, you know, you're crazy, you're stupid, you're throwing everything away, uh, you're being extremely selfish. I think that's something we could definitely go into and probably spend ages talking about. Um, you know, so there was all of this negative, um, there was all this kind of negative feedback, which was quite tough to, to deal with at the time. But luckily, I, I kind of found myself in a position where I kind of took a step back from all of that feedback and I kind of questioned, okay, but why is that person reacting in that way? Kind of where have they come from um, in order to kind of react like that? Is it simply because, uh, is it coming from a space of love and they're scared of kind of, you know, they, they just, is it like a kind of selfish love where they don't want to, um, you know, where they don't want me to kind of not be around them and, and, or is it maybe a fear of, you know, this person not working out the way I think that, you know, they should be. And once I kind of saw how, you know, it was all coming from somewhere, um, I was really, I found it so much easier to just make all of my decisions and within two months, I sold practically like 90% of all my possessions. I sold my car, I sold all my clothes, all my electronics, because I just wanted a certain pot of money to you know, find myself in a position when I did travel the world to just have that flexibility. And what I realized was like the more I literally just, all of this baggage just kind of fell off of me. Um, I felt like I was like stripping away all of this extra weight of so-called identity you know, you have this car, so you're this type of person. You wear these type of clothes, so you're this type of person. You, you know, this and that and the other. I mean, the list is endless. Mm. And I, I, it was so liberating to literally just say, you know what, like, yeah, you can take this <laughs> and you can take that and you can take that because all I want is this. I just want this, this dream of mine and I just want enough to, to kind of continue going along that journey. And once I had that, like, amazing realisation... I remember having feeling like there's absolutely nothing which is going to stop me and probably will ever stop me um, because this whole thing of fear, you know, it's, it's, it's quite, it's, it can be extremely powerful, I think, because if you are strong enough to really recognize where the fear is coming from and really manage to overcome it, then you have managed to unlock such an incredible 
potential. potential, exactly. Um, but on the other hand, if you if you're constantly faced by it and you constantly um, kind of shun away from it, and because if you think about it, also fear is we're fearful of a lot of things because of the stories which society for hundreds if not thousands of years has made up. Stories of, now I don't want to be kind of um, stir up kind of, I don't know, critical, um, kind of, uh, I don't know. But anyway. Controversies. That's the word. <laughs> Controversies. But if you think of, for example, you know, if you think of uh, religion and if you think of massive corporations and if you think of like uh, the education system, these are all ultimately institutions which are made up by people like you and I who have created stories of the way they think that we should live. And as time progressed, these stories have become bigger and bigger and bigger and, so, and stronger and stronger and stronger. So, of course, it's very understandable when people are extremely fearful because there's so much behind all of that. Um, so it's not easy to recognise that all that we see around us, which I, is something I constantly think about. Literally everything that there is around us, to a certain extent, aside from nature, has been made by individuals like you and I, who had their own fears, had their own doubts, had their own motives. Well, you would hope they would have had their own personal yeah. agendas, but it's literally just made up by individuals like you and I. So I think when you recognize all of that and you have you know, all of that kind of deep, insightful thinking, for me, fear is, I don't know, it just, it's oblivious, like it just doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. I mean, surely I def there are definitely moments, you know, when um, I, I kind of, I'm constantly, you know, battling that self-doubt and, 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 and all of that. But I think after a lot of kind of self-analysis and, and deep insight, I always manage, or try to manage at least, to, to really overcome that, that sense of fear. I really like Elizabeth Gilbert, the way she talks about fear, because she says that fear is inescapable, and if you're really pushing your limits and pushing the boundaries of your comfort zone, fear is always going to be there. Yeah. But the key is that it's not in the driving seat, that you kind of keep it in the back seat. Yeah. <laughs> so it's there, but you're the one driving. Definitely. And I really like that, because as you said, you know, fear is, it's inescapable, and it's also biological, mm -hmm. you know, that we have this mm -hmm. um, fight-or-flight response, and, you know, going back to when we lived in the tribe, you know, we, we had this fear of being ostracized, because that, yeah. that meant yeah, yeah. death. So, you know, you can't sort of, like, reverse all of these, like, thousands of years not of biology. All. But it's about, like, how to live with fear and how to not let that fear stop you doing what's really important for you. Completely. I think I really want to go into your bike ride. Yeah. <laughs> because fair. I know that was obviously had a big <coughs> impact on you and it's also something quite cool, you know, at, at quite a young age you just decided, okay, traveling wasn't adventurous enough. <laughs> I'm going to go on this like epic adventure. Yeah. So you, you cycled across, right, Australia. I did. Alone. <laughs> I did. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty crazy when you think about it. Um, the ultimate hero hero's journey. <laughs> yeah, so so as as we discussed, I, I kind of left um, Malta in around January of 2015. And I went to Indonesia, which was great, and I kind of you know, met met up with you and, and Vanessa and, and, and Prabhu and all these amazing people and 
And then after that, I, I, I really just, you know, um, I had absolutely no intention, first of all, of kind of going back, um, going back home. And I was, you know, halfway around the world, and, and I, I, I just wanted to kind of constantly do more, um, more adventurous things. I had done a bit of mountain climbing in Indonesia, I did loads of diving, and, I, and you know, having quite a sporty background and really having quite a great connection with, with the outdoors. Um, I really just kind of wanted to discover more of that. So after Indonesia, I headed off to New Zealand, which was completely random. I was on this island in Indonesia, chatting to a few people over there, and I met this Kiwi guy, and, and you know, New Zealand for me was always like, oh man, this place is, looks just wicked. You know, mountain biking, climbing, amazing scenery, super cool people. And it was funny, you know, I was just like, yeah, screw it, man, I want to go to New Zealand. And I had absolutely, then again, no plan, um, just kind of um, just rocked up in, in, in New Zealand and, and, and kind of spent a couple of, um, I think it was just like under two months over there. But what was really interesting was on my way to New Zealand, um, I had to fly from, it was Indonesia and then to Singapore. And in Singapore, I had to stop in Sydney. And I remember flying over Australia, heading towards New Zealand. And I remember thinking, like, it would be so cool to kind of, you know, to come to Australia and just do some crazy adventure. And before all of this as well, before I kind of embarked on my um, whole travelling and all of that, I had seen this film uh, of this woman who had walked across Australia. I think it was in, like, the 50s or something. Sure, I'll, have, I'll look it up. Um, and this crazy, well, amazing woman who decided to kind of walk through Australia with this camel. And, and I remember watching it with a few friends and they're like, my girl, this woman's nuts. Like, who the hell would want to do that? And I, and I, I kind of, I remember I looked and I kind of nodded. Like, and I, I remember like thinking to myself, oh my God, this is amazing. This is, you know, I, I would love to do something like this. But I, you know, and does this, this it, we, we can kind of go back to the whole thing of fear because I was scared to tell my friends like, oh my God, that's so cool to do because everyone would look at me and like, you're such a loser, man. Just like kind of, you know, stop like kind of talking, you know, rubbish or whatever. So I kind of kept it all to myself. And, you know, I, I, I had this whole idea of if I go to Australia, I'm just going to do something crazy. I don't know what it is, I don't know why, but like something is just telling me to do something crazy. Um, so I went to New Zealand and, and as I was there, I kind of had this ringing thought in my head. And um, I spent some time in New Zealand working on this vineyard, which was incredible. And I was there for around three weeks. Um, I was kind of, it was just me and these two other guys. So it was just like this amazing connection with the outdoors and I would just spend days you know just walking around and, 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 and working in the morning biking in the evenings and it was then as well that I really started to get into reading and writing and I picked up amazing books like um, The Alchemist and Tuesdays with Mori and you know these really intense books and I really found myself in a space where I'd really opened myself up to receiving this book, these books in a kind of positive light and 
I remember those were just one moment where I was like sitting down on my lunch break um, in New Zealand. I was reading Tuesdays with Moria. I was in the middle of nowhere in this, this vineyard. And I remember reading a certain paragraph. Um, and it just kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, you know what? I'm, screw it. I, I can't, you know, just keep on thinking about things and not do them anymore. I've already kind of committed to doing so many kind of crazy so to speak, things, you know, I've sold everything and, and kind of traveled around the world, come halfway around the world and done this and that. I'm just going to continue kind of answering all these inner, you know, all these inner uh, calls and thoughts and all of that. And yeah, so like within kind of two weeks of that, I, I found myself um, in Perth, <laughs> in Australia. And I started thinking, well, before, actually, before I went there, I had this whole idea to be so cool if I had to, you know, go to Perth in Western Australia, get a bike, and just cycle across the whole continent. And honestly, like, to this day, I really can't tell you, like, why I decided to kind of do it, or what it was that was propelling me to do it, but I just, I don't know, like, it was just, I had these thoughts, and I just kind of went along with them, and I never questioned anything, ever. And so I went to Perth, and, and, and actually there was this Maltese lady who was, who was working there at the time. She was this incredible, really sweet doctor. So I got in touch. I'm like, listen, I'm going to come to Perth. And I didn't really <laughs> tell her at the time what I was about to do, but I was like, I'm planning this bike ride. And, and I remember like kind of going to the airport and you know, flying from New Zealand to Australia. And I got to the airport. And you know, like when you go to an airport, um, and kind of one the, when you're kind of outside of Europe, and the, one of the first questions they ask you is like, "So, um, sir, like, what's what's the purpose of your tra travel here? Is it business, business or leisure?" And like, oh, it was so funny. Like, I just kind of looked at him and I was like, "Man, if only you knew. <laughs> if only you know." Um, so I, just, I kind of laughed it off. I'm like, oh, "I'm just kind of visiting a friend." I was thinking, like, if I told them, they'd probably look at me like, oh, we need to, like, get this guy in for, like, kind of mental, you know, check or whatever. So anyway, so I, I got to Perth and, um, and I spent around three weeks over there. And I did that because, <laughs> because before this whole adventure, I had absolutely no biking experience. Um, my kind of biking experience was kind of one hour bike rides on the weekends, you know, with like some friends when I was in Malta. Um, and I mean, in total, I had probably done, you know, two to 300 kilometers of biking in my life. Um, so the obvious questions that I needed to kind of answer to myself was, you know, like, man, you need to get on a bike and learn how to kind of properly ride. And fix. <laughs> and that's, you know, you need to learn how to fix bikes because, you know, if you're planning on doing this crazy adventure, um, you need, you know, stuff is, is, will go wrong, for sure. So you need to see how you're going to kind of mitigate that, that, those circumstances. And so, oh man, just hilarious. So I, I turned up to this bike shop in Perth and I was like, listen, man, <laughs> I'm about to kind of go off on this adventure. And I swear, I wish I could just show you this guy's reaction. Like, it was hilarious. You know, typical, typical kind of Aussie um farmer guy and he's like oh mate you're like crazy or whatever <laughs> and like 
but he was so enthusiastic at the same time. And he's like, you know what, screw it. Like, this guy probably, he, you know, he had, it was quite a small shop with not a lot of, like, traffic. So he was like, you know, this guy, I definitely want in, this guy in here. You know, we just have, stay chatting and have all these stories. And I remember I spent two weeks over there kind of fixing bikes and all of these things. And whoever came in, he's like, oh, Larry, mate, look at this guy. He's crazy. <laughs> And it was so funny because everyone who came in, I'm like, yeah, I'm the guy, like, just whatever. And, and they looked at me, I was like, oh, mate, you're going to die. Like, you're going to die or, like, you're going to get raped or you're going to get, like, you know. There, there wasn't a single person who looked at me and like, man, that's so cool. Like, good for you. It was all, like, you know, it was just all of the, and this all goes back to the whole fear thing. Because it was like, you know, their first reaction was, boom, this kind of wall of fear came up. And... It's funny because I, I see myself as quite a stubborn person in a way. When someone kind of questions, you know, like if someone tells me I can't do something or, um, you know, it's going to be too difficult or you're not going to manage or this or that, I always try and like, it's never, it's never a thing of kind of proving them wrong, but I always, it's that whole thing of like taking a step back and saying like, okay, but why is this person saying this and where are they coming from? So... Luckily, <laughs> all of these, you know, threats of like, you know, uh, rape and uh, death and this and that, I never really managed, I, they never really managed to kind of steer me off. So yeah, after like three weeks over there, I, you know, after all this planning and all of this, um, I decided to kind of head off on this adventure and it was a 4,200 kilometer bike ride um, through the Australian desert. Um, it took 32 days, and it definitely was, well, for now anyway, the best 32 days of my life, for sure, because it was such like an inner, it was such an incredible inner journey where for the first time in my life I felt like I was really alive, and I was I started to, for the first time, really realize what it was to be human, what it was to be, to, to, to you know, what it was in a day, emotions like, you know, from, from laughter to tears, from pain to, to complete joy, um, you know, day in, day out, I was kind of, all of these emotions were constantly um, circling, and... I remember just, I felt like I, you know, sat off in Perth as one person and I kind of arrived in Sydney as a completely different person. I felt like, you know, I kind of went through this kind of conveyor belt, so to speak, you know, like, you know, you place your luggage in one airport and it comes out a completely, as a completely other kind of being, so to speak. And it was just, it was amazing, you know, I mean, it was just, it was 32 days of, of complete, like, inner and outer exploration. And I think the whole reason behind that as well was primarily because uh, I was alone. And I think we, we really undervalue the importance of really spending time alone to really self-reflect. You know, we, we, we constantly, we, you know, we, I mean, we live in an island which is like, there's so much noise and combustion and, and stress and this and that and all. And, you know, and within all that, you never ever give yourself time to like think, really think and really reflect about the, 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 the real deep questions that you constantly want to ask, but never really ask, because you're always, they're always masked by all of these kind of outer distractions. Yeah. 
So that's definitely one of them. You know, I, 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 and it's quite petrifying, you know, I mean, to just sit with yourself. It's, it's really scary at the beginning, you know, when you're just out there in the desert alone and all you have is, is just you, your breath, the sound of like the, the pedals, yeah. the, you know, the, the breeze and, 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 you know, maybe sometimes trees because it was literally desert. Um, the lack of sound is quite amazing. You really start to pick up on your inner sounds. And recently I spoke to a, a mutual friend of ours who uh, did the, this, I think it was like a 12-day Vipassana in uh, India. And it really reminded me of that because he was saying, you know, for, for people who don't know, Vipassana is like where you go on this, it's like a silent meditation, right? Where you kind of spend, he spends 12 days in the middle of nowhere um, just in complete silence. And he told me the emotions that he went through were incredible, you yeah. know, from complete joy to utter hopelessness, hopelessness <laughs> and just, you know, crying, I mean, profusely and, 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 and also just all of these emotions coming out. Yeah. It's really funny, actually, that you went there because I was, as you were talking, I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, you know, this, this adventure kind of strips down, strips away all of the attachments oh, and completely. other noise. Completely. And it's exactly like I did a 14-day uh, similar to Vipassana and it's exactly the same thing, like, okay, without the, the physical sort of aspect of the yeah. cycling and all that, but you're basically forced, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I did sort of five hours a day where you're just alone yeah. with your own thoughts, and in that silence, there's such a stripping away of all of this stuff, which you think is you, and it's, it's just noise and distraction. Uh-huh. But that's actually a really painful process because we're so used to these distractions and these dysfunctions that actually being without them is almost... Like freaky, you know, you don't know how to be in the world without these, these distractions. And I remember I, I've done this a few times, and one of the times I had like a complete breakdown towards the end of it because yeah. I just I felt so different, yeah, and I felt so stripped of all my, in a way, like crutches, yeah. you know, emotional sure. dysfunction, which were my crutches. That I actually had to extend my stay because I said I can't go back to Malta. Like I, I felt so all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like till the new me kind of birthed fully and was more solid. Yeah. Like I, I felt like I, I was really sort of uh-huh. societally like inappropriate. You know, I just couldn't really handle myself because I was all over the place. Yeah. But I think it's, it's such a beautiful thing because I love this quote. You have to break down to break through. For sure. And it's like to really find who you are, you have to go into that stripping. For sure. You know. St. John of the Cross called it the dark night of the soul. Yeah. And we all go through those moments when you're challenging yourself where you feel totally hopeless. You feel like you can't do it. It's excruciatingly painful. And in those moments, you feel totally confused. You have no purpose. You just want it to all be over. Yet it feels like it will never be over. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, sticking through those moments is just, I mean, sometimes you don't even have a choice. You know, you're, you're in the middle of the desert. You know? mm-hmm. If you turn mm-hmm. back, you mm-hmm. still have like the same amount of miles to cover to get back. But I think sticking with that is just an amazingly beautiful process because what gets birthed is, is as you said, you know, you're, you're so connected to yourself. Everything actually becomes so clear. Um, it really does. It really does. And it's quite, it's quite amazing, you know. I mean, I was like, I went out for quite a long run this morning and I was like really thinking, you know, I knew that we were going to have this, this chat and I was, so I was kind of thinking about um, you know, reflecting on all of these experiences and all of that, and I found it quite 
funny and well ironic I guess in a way that people were interested in my story you know I did this like TEDx talk and like loads of people were getting in touch with me and all of that and and I said it's it's really funny how this is all because I kind of went off on a complete tangent and I really like kind of detached myself from people and this whole thing of like you know isolation it's it, I, I don't think we really realize how important it is in our day-to-day -day lives to have that moment, you know, whether it's um, an hour in the day or a day in a week or a week in a month, a month in a year, whatever it is, it's so important to give yourself that space, especially in an age where, I mean, I was recently, re I came across some figures where, you know, just, just to on the whole social media digital kind of discussion as well um you know in a day people kind of check their phones around 150 times a day we're bombarded by around 500 adverts a day if you think about like the, the amount the sheer amount of noise that that generates um it's phenomenal and you know we're, we're constantly there's this whole you know the whole element of fear, you don't really want to kind of get to, you don't really want to ask those deep questions, so you're kind of constantly surrounding yourself by all of these, all these things, all of these people, all of this identity, and you, you're piling up all of these things on top of yourself. So of course it's understandable that when you kind of detach yourself from all of this, and you strip away all of it, that is when you really want to get to know who you really are. Because if you're going to constantly mask all of these things on top of yourself, then how are, how are you ever going to find who you really are? If you're going to go to other people to find the questions, if you're, gonna, um, if you're never going to have that introspection, if you're never going to ask those deep questions, if you're constantly going to kind of um, indulge yourself into distraction, distraction materialism, all of these things, um, you know, possessions, this, that, and the other. It is only when you strip all of that that you ultimately really start to see who you are. It's only when you start to live a minimal life, so to speak. I mean, minimalism is quite a kind of broad theme, but mm -hmm. for me, it, it, that is what it's all about. It's stripping away all of the unnecessary things, be it materialism, be it the people in your life that you you know deep down inside you shouldn't be surrounding yourself with because they're not going to get you to where you really want to be. Yeah. Um, choosing, you know, I mean, nutrition as well, choosing what you want to eat and, and how you want to be and all of these things. You know, um, information and data consumption as well, being really mindful about what you're, um, how you're spending your time with all these digital platforms that, that, that we have, you know, constantly bombarding ourselves yeah. with and, and mindfully choosing. It's, you know, we're, we're fortunate in a way to have all this amazing knowledge just like at our disposal. But the problem with all of that, I think, is that um, people often don't really see, like, the, you know, uh, what they really want to get yeah. out of that. Kind I mean, of it the takes a huge discipline to, like, constant sort of consistently choose and step back from this bombardment. Yeah. I see with myself, you know, it takes a lot of discipline. So yeah. like, no, I'm not going to check yeah. my phone out. No, I'm going to stop scrolling down my Facebook yeah. news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny as well because, you know, I, I do a lot of yoga and the ancient sort of scriptures in yoga 
when people wanted to, in yoga they say that over, when you're over 50 you should go to the jungle and discover yourself to find out who you really are before you die. And, you know, in, in, in India they go to the mountains, they go to the Himalayas and they just stay in a cave. And that's exactly it. They step out of their society and they strip everything away. Yeah. And that's what you have to do to really discover who you are. And I think, you know, that just totally ties into everything that we're saying. You know, then <clears throat> there needs to be this stripping away and this, this silence and introspection to really get you to be able to consciously choose the life for yourself. For sure, and if I, if I could just kind of add to that as well, I think, you know, I guess people who you know, are listening to this or might know my, my story and all of that, so, you know, I guess a part of them, you know, a certain portion of people might be saying, oh, this guy's, you know, crazy, or, you know, do you really have to cycle across a Bali continent <laughs> to kind of discover these things? Um, but what I want people to kind of really understand is, I did this because that is kind of what makes me me. I did this because I knew deep down inside that this is what I can do. It not, I mean, it may sound crazy, but for me, it was normal to do something like this. It was very normal for me to go and cycle across a continent because I knew deep down inside that I could do it. I took it day by day. I suffered tremendously, but I knew deep down inside that I could do it. Now, for you or anyone who's, you know, for anyone um, in the world, that's, you know, the path that we all take is different. Um, for, for whoever, it could be simply like picking up that guitar and, 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 and finally playing the, the guitar and really investing their time in that. It could be taking that hour in the day to really do what they want to do and start that book that they've always been meaning to write or that blog that they've been meaning to do. For me, adventure and sports and going out into the unknown has always been something that I've connected with. So it's, it, it was literally a, a natural, um, well, not natural, but it was, um, I knew that when I was out there, I was, it was where I, where, I, where I wanted and needed to be. I felt extremely comfortable. Yeah. Which is incredible. It's a really incredible feeling. So it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to like literally uh, sell everything and bloody travel around the world. I mean, I'm a man of extremes as well. Like that's, that's just how I am. You know, once I decide on something, I literally, I fully commit to it and I won't stop until I get what I want. Um, which is good sometimes, <laughs> but other times as you know, it, it kind of yeah. really weighs you down. Yeah. Um, but that's but that's kind of what makes you know I think that's reflecting on all of this and what people really need to um, think about is like how can I what can I take away from this story you know what we all have these burning desires I still have certain burning desires ultimately I'm not perfect and I have certain burning desires which to this day I still haven't answered and that's what makes life so exciting is the fact that this adventure for me was literally one kind of one page of hopefully an infinite amount of pages which I aim to fill up in my life. Um, there are so many things that I want to do and I'm confident that ultimately I will do. And it's, it, it, it's, it, it's kind of, um, it varies across a broad spectrum. It's not all about adventure and, and kind of... Uh, the whole bravado thing. I mean, there are so many other things I want to do, um, which which have 
kind of nothing to do with all of this. Yeah. Um, I think that's what people really need to realize is that um, really get to know yourself, really detach yourself from what you see as normality and, and really embrace the fear mm-hmm. and, and just, you know, start. I mean, I guess ultimately, as you said, everyone feels their own call. So yeah. the call of what you should do is there if you yeah. just take the time to listen to it. Exactly. So it's not about like physically or literally what you do. It's just about the meta, like taking that metaphoric meaning exactly. and just following that, exactly. that call to adventure and exactly. just taking that step into the unknown. But there is one, one more thing I want to focus on about this journey uh, that you went on because I'm really interested in the concept of initiation. Yeah. I really believe when we're kind of pushed past our physical limits, mm-hmm. we're forced to rely on something greater than ourselves. Yeah. And in ancient, our ancient history, the tribes actually forced, especially men, every young boy had to get initiated. Yeah. They would get like tortured almost or like put into some really, really ridiculous yeah. challenge. And actually some of them would not even survive. Yeah. Or if they survive and fail, they would actually be killed by uh-huh. the tribe. Yeah. And for me that's really fascinating because in in that time they couldn't afford to have members of the community who were uninitiated yeah and for me it's like uninitiated is is almost like you're a child you're you're selfish Mm -hmm. because when you become a man or when you become an adult you've so kind of gone past your own individual identity that you can be an adult member of society because you're willing to sacrifice yourself for the good of the whole and I think this is something really interesting because in modern society, we see that, like society, there are some things which we as humans are not prepared to do for the good of the whole. And we see this with the environmental crisis. You know, you have companies polluting rivers and they just don't care about um, the, the good of the people living in that area, the water supply. I mean, at the moment, there's a huge protest going on in America with the Dakota Access Pipeline. Yeah. And you can just see it there. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere, actually, yeah. in our society. So for me, when I see people kind of giving themselves their own initiation, um, I, I find it really fascinating. And I think it's something, it's a story I want to tell because I want other people to be encouraged to, to have these experiences that are going to take them beyond the limits of who they think they really are. And for me, I, I really related to your, to your journey and you know, I was laughing because everyone was telling you you were going to die, but you did actually almost die. I did, and yeah. I'd really like to go into that, that for story sure. because I think that was really a moment of initiation for you. And I can relate to my own experiences where I, I was literally like at a dead end. You know, I felt like nothing was going to get me through a certain moment in my life. And then you kind of burst through the limits of yourself and there's, there's a force greater than you ever knew existed within you. Um, so I'd really like you to sort of go into that moment and, and, and did you feel like that? Because you know, we've, mm-hmm. we've spoken about it before, but yeah. you know, I don't want to yeah. just assume that you felt sort of how I did in that moment. Definitely. So, so, so basically, yeah, um, the, the whole bike ride was around 32 days and, and kind of midway through the ride, um, I found myself along the, the so-called the Great Australian Bight, um, which is this incredible coastline, kind of on the southern tip of the continent. And I remember it was kind of a really long day of riding. I had done around 180 kilometers um, on, on the road. And basically just to... to um, 
paint a picture for everyone, um, the kind of middle of Australia, there's one super long road, which is around 3,000 kilometers. Uh, and it's, it's, along, um, it's along, along the so-called Nullarbor Plains. Now, along this road, every 200 kilometers or so, there's a gas station. There's a gas station and just kind of limited supplies. And if you're lucky, there's a few cabins with beds. That's it. Every 200 kilometers is like one of these houses in the middle of nowhere. And that's all that you find. So I remember this day I kind of had left one of them that morning. And I was riding along to the next one, which actually wasn't... There was, it was like 240 kilometers, um, that, the distance that day. And I was just shattered, I remember, after like 180 kilometers, it was a really long day. And it was really tough, but at the same time it was so beautiful because I was riding, imagine like you know, the, the dinghy cliffs in Malta. Now, double the height, and you have kind of whales and dolphins kind of just cruising along, and you know, you... Um, on, on, on land there are kangaroos hopping next to you and horse, wild horses. I mean, I, was, I felt like I was in, in paradise. Um, and I remember kind of at around the 175 to 180 kilometer mark, the sun started to set and the, the one like really solid piece of advice um, and warning ultimately that every single person that I met um, prior and during the adventure told me, listen, whatever you do, like, if you want to do this, do it. But whatever you do, just don't ride at night because um, that's when all, like, the nasty creatures come out. And that's when the kangaroos are super vicious. They can rip you apart and this and that and everything. So, and that's the point when I said, okay, I'll, I'll listen to you. <laughs> so, at around the 180 kilometer mark, I stopped, and on my bike as well, I had what are called panniers. Now, on panniers, I had, like, my tent, and I had a sleeping bag, I had food supplies, water, and all of this. And I was carrying around 40 kilograms of, of weight, so it was pretty heavy. Um, but I had all of this because I pretty much camped out under the stars every night, which was incredible. But on this night, um, I had no option other than uh, being on the side of the, well, not literally on the side, but close to the cliff's edge because um, I, I just could not go two to three hundred kilometers inland because that's where all the deadly creatures were. That's where, that was their home. Um, so I found this spot kind of 200 meters off the cliff's edge. Um, and there were a few caravans around me, and it was great, you know, I had this, like, we were all in the middle of nowhere, having this, you know, really nice barbecue together at night, you know, camping under the stars. We didn't even need any lights, because they were so bright. I think it was a full moon as well, it was incredible. And it was probably the most stunning sunset I had ever seen. And I remember going, to, you know, like, kind of pitching my tent, and kind of falling asleep, and... Kind of get goosebumps like thinking about it now. But I remember like waking up at like two in the morning to this like deafening sound of the wind. And my tent had kind of collapsed on me and I felt like I was being suffocated. Um, and you know, I felt like I was 
I don't know, like you know that sound when you when you're on a when you're on a plane and you get off and like the engines are kind of still running. That's like like hissing sound. I felt like my head was literally in an en- in kind of one of these Boeing engines or something. It was so loud. And I remember like thinking like, holy shit, man, this is this is bad. This is really bad. Um, I'm in a cyclone over here. I didn't even have to, like, I, I couldn't see a thing, just pitch black. And then I started to realize how my tent was moving. And I was literally trapped in this tent and I was moving. And luckily had this knife on me and managed to kind of rip open my tent, scramble out. I had a torch on, a head torch, switch it on. And I mean, it was like something out of a movie, you know, I was in this whirlwind, there was like, stuff flying around around me. I looked at my bike. My bike was about to kind of fly off the, the cliff. And I literally managed to kind of scramble everything. Um, and I was around 50 meters away from being blown off the cliff's edge. And luckily managed to like crawl my way to the road. <laughs> and Luckily, there was this police, um, there was this patrol, patrol car who was like patrolling the road, making sure that there were no lorries on the road. And when they saw me, I was all battered and bruised and my face was brown from like mud. And, you know, I had this huge beard and scruffy hair and they looked at me like, what the hell is this guy doing? And I, so I kind of looked at them and I was like... Uh, you know, I was, I was in tears. I was, you know, I was so scared. But luckily it was all fine. And I remember, like, there was this amazing moment as well where, you know, I was in the tent and it was the first moment where, like, fear really overcame, where really fear kind of got the better of me. And I started to kind of really cry because... I felt like I really wasn't done. I really wasn't done with my life. I really wasn't, you know, and I, I, it was, I felt like my life was just about to end. Um, and I remember, like, there was this incredible moment where, like, I remember hearing, like, the sound of my mom's voice. And she kind of, like, just told me, it's like, you know, David, it's, it's going to be fine. She told me, just do what you have to do. It's going to be fine. And I... I that for me was like really incredible and anyway in a nutshell like I kind of managed to scramble my way to the road and 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 I really felt like I was really close to like just stuff if this if this guy you know if this car never showed up and if a lot of variables but if things didn't work out the way they worked out, I would have been, you know, two, three hundred, I would have had a two, 200 to 250 meter free fall down into the freezing cold Southern Ocean. Um, and yeah, I remember like I kind of spent the next day just like in this um, police, um, police uh, shack, kind of in the middle of the desert. And I still have like um, this, this notebook um, where I, I, the only thing that I, knew what to do at the time was just sit down and write. So I just started writing everything that I was experiencing and all of that. And But all of like the whole experience filled me with so much, you know, I, I felt like I was so close to my death. Um, and I was so lucky to kind of overcome it. 
and not, you know, I, was, I had death kind of really facing me um, right in the face. And even like when I really felt the presence of my mother who passed away when I was very young and I had that connection, I remember thinking to myself, the fact that she's talking to me either is one of two things, otherwise I'm either going to die and this is like how we're starting to really get connected or this is like a sign from the gods telling me like listen man like just do what you have to do and all of that like you know when I woke up the next day and I realized how I was still alive and moving and you know all of that I had been through all the pain and the suffering and you know before that as well I was really close to getting bitten by one of the most venomous snakes in the desert and I had passed out and got, um, you know, rushed to hospital in an ambulance and all of these things. I, I kind of knew that there was nothing that was really going to stop me. Not, not only, like, in that whole adventure, but in the adventure of, like, life itself. I guess it's quite, like, airy fair to say, but it's true. You know, I, I, I felt I had felt so much pain and suffering um, that I was just able to kind of continue going. Yeah. Give me goosebumps every time you tell that story. It's so amazing. I was just thinking, you know, as you were sharing that, it's it's something so taboo in, in our society to talk about death. Yeah. You know, it's it's like yeah. someone dies, we talk about it for a couple of days around yeah. the funeral, and then it's like, we never really talk about our own death. And it's really funny because for me, it was a big um, trigger for me to start, like, this journey of mm -hmm. self-discovery. Yeah. I, I just started thinking about death a lot. Yeah. And really, you know, questioning it, what happens when we die. And I heard this quote once, you know, you have to face your death um, to really, truly live. And whether you do that kind of philosophically or physically or mentally, oh, yeah. emotionally, whatever, I think there's such a power for sure. in really facing our immortality and sure. bringing that kind of energy and power into our life. And for sure. know, it gives you that drive to really consciously live and consciously create your life. I think... You know, this whole thing of death, you know... It's a whole other it's podcast. Quite, it's, it is, but I think just to kind of touch on to it um, ever so slightly, um, death for me has always been a very big part of my life, so to speak, because um, I was unfortunate, and in a way I still to this day feel very fortunate that my mother passed away when I was very, very young. Um, I was not even two years old, and um, you know that, in a way, left a lot of scars for me and for my immediate family, and it left me with a lot of questions growing up in my life. You know, I, I never really, um, I think, you know, growing up without a mother is quite, um, especially, you know. As a boy, I felt it was quite a, a, it was quite a tough and weird um, emotion to deal with, um, but it was great because uh, I really became very introspective. I really started to become very independent and really started to question everything. And, and but the more I looked into that, I, I realized how like a lot of the people around me um, really like kind of shunned it away, and to the point where. I, the first time when I kind of went to my mother's um, uh, um, grave, I was like 19 years old. Before that, I had never gone. Um, and also, that was a time as well, it was 
the first time that I heard her voice because I had come across this um, kind of um, engagement tape or something of the sort. And so in my family, there was this kind of this whole thing of, you know, I, I you know, they had gone through so much pain, which I you know, obviously completely understand. And their way of dealing with the pain was to really kind of literally, because I had found this box, it was literally to box it all up and put it in, in, a, in a cupboard. And once I kind of unboxed this, so to speak, I unboxed so many personal emotions as well. And I never felt it was right to kind of uh, to, to address these with, with the other family members who never wanted to kind of unbox them. So I felt like it was a really personal thing for me to just unbox it all. And that is when I really also kind of got into meditation and really kind of going deep into myself and really connecting with my mother. Because I, I truly feel that just because someone dies, yes, their physical presence isn't kind of around anymore, but their spiritual presence, you know, like for me, her presence was, is so strong. Like when, I, when I'm in nature, when I go out for a run, when I go for a swim, when I was out in the desert, when I'm, you know, when I've sailed like in the middle of the ocean, that's where I really feel her presence. And that's when I realized how amazing the, the, the kind of, how amazing nature is. Um, and in a way, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for all of this because Growing up, I had so much, um, I went through so much pain and oppression and, 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 and suffering in a way because of all of this, that this whole element of fear for me was insignificant because I had already felt so much pain and suffering and all of that, that, you know, the, the pain and fear that the everyday uh, someone else would, would mention, like, oh, I'm going to lose my job or I'm going to do this or that, whatever, is nothing for me in comparison to the loss of a mother from such a young age and having to deal with that for so long and me having to kind of reckon with it. So maybe that's why it's understandable why it's normal for someone like me to have uh, cycled across Australia because that was my way of kind of dealing with it in a way. Um, luckily it wasn't, you know, ending up in you know, drugs or alcohol or all of that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there were, you know, a few dark moments in my life when, you know, we mentioned university and all of that. I, I went through very kind of depressive moments where, to the near point where um, I was kind of suicidal at a point, you know, that I had all these emotions going on and kind of family problems and um, I just didn't know how to deal with them. I had absolutely no idea how to deal with them and, and they were all kind of boxed up within me. And Luckily, I kind of came across this psychiatrist who really helped me out. I didn't want to kind of mention this at the beginning because I thought it would be way too deep to like start off with. But it was all of that which really started me off on this trajectory. I was, you know, we meant, you mentioned the whole thing of it's only when you're at your lowest point that you really start to kind of really see who you are. And for me, it was when I was very depressed and near suicidal at a point you know, I was 20 years old and had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do or why I wanted to do it. I kind of dug myself in a hole and for me there were no answers to any meanings. Um, and it was tough. It was really tough for me to deal with because everything around me looked fine, you know. And I, I, I kind of put on this um, smile and went out and met my friends and met my family and everything was fine. And But everything wasn't fine. 
And I felt like at the time I had no one to kind of discuss these things with, so it was very tough for me to yeah. deal with. But luckily, I don't know what it was, you know, maybe it was my mother, like, kind of <laughs> keeping me intact in uh, all along, but um, I was lucky to kind of not veer off onto this crazy path of, you know, drugs and alcohol and, and suicide or whatever, but there was definitely a couple of years ago a moment in my life where I felt like I was at that crossroads yeah. and I kind of was, could have, you know, I was dealt two cards. I felt like I literally had, you know, um, you know, the, 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 the angel and the devil on my shoulder and there was one guy telling me, oh man, you know, just fucking end it, you know, just like do this and that and all these really dark things and there was the other guy telling me listen just like hold on you're gonna ride into a big storm and there are kind of gonna be a lot a lot of people who you're possibly gonna lose in your life um and but kind of just keep holding on because this is this is the, the path that you need to the path that you need to take yeah. um so yeah I, i'm actually so happy that you went into that day because for me, people who face their own emotions, like the emotional challenges, yeah. are just so much more brave than the physical. Like, the physical is, is great and it's inspiring, but I think what really touches me personally is people who are ready to face these kind of, you know, dark emotions. And, and actually, that is way more inspiring than you cycling you know, across Australia. And, and it's the same skill, in, in a way, but you do find people who really push their, their physical limits, but never actually push their emotional limits. Oh yeah, for sure. And, you know, especially men sure. in today's society, like you're not encouraged or given any tools to make peace with your emotion. For sure. I, I, it's, I, it's more about like expressing it through anger yeah. or just not expressing it, have another drink, smoke another joint and, and you'll be fine. Yeah, kind of thing. I, I mean, so. I couldn't agree more with all of that. And, you know, especially because I grew up um, practicing a lot of sports I was you know very like physically and that's probably why this is bike right because for me I thrive off like feeling physical pain and like really pushing through it and coming up with this crazy challenge and just like seeing it through mm -hmm. um, because you know that endorphin rush that we all get you know it's, it's for me it's like it's like a drug maybe it's true you know maybe I am kind of addicted to um, you know the that feeling of like just the physical pain of of going out for a crazy long you know run or a bike ride or whatever. But, but at the same time, you're going now into meditation. Exactly, and you're kind of you know approaching it from both angles. The thing is, and and you know what the turning point for me with all of this was, when I was younger, I used to be a very competitive. Um, I used to do a lot of competitive swimming, and I absolutely loved it. For me, it was great. It was. And reflecting on it all as well, it was kind of my way of, of kind of uh, suppressing all, all of, you know, uh, the, the, the problems that I was going through at the time. And, you know, because I would literally jump into a pool and, and swimming is that sport where you put your head on the water and you don't hear a thing, you know, and you have to deal with the outside world. And I would kind of just bash out all my problems in the pool, you know, just let it all out, sweat it all out. And... But I remember I reached a point where um, I was at this training session and and um, it was really tough physically. And I remember there was a point where suddenly I just stopped. And 
before that point, I really wasn't an emotional person. Like I wouldn't cry. I wouldn't like really. I really, really wouldn't kind of show those female. You know, that side of me. I would never really kind of let it out because I was this. You know, I was this manly, whatever. Some you know, competitive, whatever. This whole story that you know I had made up in my head and. Um, and I remember I just kind of started bawling, like tears, like running down from my eyes. And I was like, what the hell is, you know, I remember like mentally thinking like, what the hell is going on? Like, why am I crying? Why, why am I, but I just let it happen. I let it happen and let it happen. And, and it was probably at a moment like when, you know, I got out of the pool and I kind of just couldn't stop crying. And I was just like, I remember thinking like, wow, you know, wow, this is, your, my men, your, your mental state of being is just as important as your physical state of being, you know. I, I feel that I only managed to kind of do this bike ride as well because, you know, I was at a mental state where uh, I could push myself and I was fine to reckon with all the, the inner demons that I had and the confusion and, you know, all the trauma and all of that. I was fine with it because I dealt with it and I'm, con you know, constantly dealing with it through meditation and letting it all out and, and kind of... Um, facing it and overcoming it, um, and I think it's so important, you know, in this day and age, to to constantly just deal with uh, the mental side as well. You know, we're, we're I think it's great, you know, that people are kind of you know starting to slowly um, eat healthily and do more sports and all of this, but people also really need to understand that it's like. The, if you think of life as kind of holding all these buckets or, or having like, like pigeonhole shelving and there's like the health and the fitness and this and that, I think, and people are kind of constantly filling those buckets, we so often neglect the mental bucket. And the emotional. And yeah, definitely. The mental and emotional buckets are kind of left to the, you know, to the wayside because we're, we're scared. You know, we're scared to like go deeper within ourselves and we're scared to... You know, we, we, we love laughing, but we're scared to cry um, because it hurts. But what we don't understand is that life ultimately is full of ups and downs. And unfortunately, you know, we have this through social media and all of this, we're constantly projecting this like perfect idea of life. That life is constantly like going at this 45 degree angle and it's constantly on this like trajectory to traje trajectory to you know, to, to like the beautiful galaxy, so to speak, or whatever, you know. But not understanding that, yes, man, you know, in, in, you have the good times and you have the bad times. And recognizing those bad times and embracing those bad times and learning from those bad times. Because I feel that I'm only the person that I am today and hopefully the person that I will become only from embracing those bad times. I think we're so often, you know, faced with issues and problems and it's only when, you know, when those things happen, you're faced with a choice. I was faced with a lot of choices in my life to either kind of go along the, the, the dark and, and kind of dead end road or to kind of go along the path that I knew in the long run through all the pain and the suffering and all that might lead me to where I want to be. And I think it's only through recognizing that, you know, you're constantly given a choice. We're all going to face problems in our lives. We're all going to face death. We're all going to face, um, 
separation or you know m mental and physical problems and people are going to upset you and people are going to you know um, you might might not always get what you're going what you want to get but recognizing that um, recognizing the the positives out of all of that and seeing how that every through every negative um, kind of experience there's always there's always a positive to get out from it. There's always something to learn. Amazing. Dave, there's so many more things we can talk about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you've had an amazing, like, change in your diet, your, your journey into meditation. Um, but I think maybe we'll leave that for subsequent podcasts. Yeah. And also, you know, I would love for you to host some of these podcasts because I know through your blog, we have a very similar mission, which is to tell these inspiring stories. Yeah especially stories of, of people here locally in Malta who are doing amazing things. For sure. So for sure. our lovely listeners will definitely be hearing your voice a little yeah, bit more be, often, which would be great. That'd be great. Um, and maybe we can just end off in uh, you sort of summarizing like anything you'd like to say. And I always sort of have this question, like what does it mean to live a good life? What does mm -hmm. it mean to le live a purposeful and fulfilling yeah. life? I mean, it's a big question and we've, we've covered it in the whole you know, almost one and a half hour chat. But if there's just like one one thing you'd, you'd leave people with, I think, I think if there's one thing, uh, the one thing for me would would be to really just like to live your truth, to live your true self. And it may sound very simple, and it may sound very idealistic, I guess, but. It's for me anyway. It's it's something I'm constantly conscious about, and it's something that I really try and aim towards doing. Um, I think it's great to 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 kind of help other people and to motivate other people and all of that. But it always boils down to listening to yourself and really knowing who you are. It is only when you know who you are and being true to yourself. Saying no way more than saying yes just to please certain people. Being, it's only when you're true to yourself that ultimately that, that is when uh, you can go out there and really love people. It's only when you love yourself that you can go and, 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 and love other people and be of service to other people. Because you know, that is when you are really embodying who you should be. It's when you live and speak your truth. And I think so often understandably in our society we are so fearful of the truth because it's it's scary and because it takes you down the unknown path because we're constantly so used to other people making up our decisions whether it's our parents when we're young or whether it's the education system when you're um, you know when you're going through school when you when you get a job and all of that and it's people are kind of pulled away from from knowing their truth and for me, it's, it's all about that. You know, I, I think my, my like, purpose in life is just to live my truth and to constantly discover what that is. And through discovering that, hopefully leading by example and inspiring just the people around me. You know, it's, it's, it's never been about like preaching to the masses. Like I'm, I'm really not that type of guy. Um, for me, it's never been about like puffing my chest and saying, "Ooh, look at look at this! Look what I've done!" No, it's all about like 
I've done what I've done and I'll continue to do what I do because I just, I, I live and speak my truth. And, and you should do as well because trust me, it feels amazing. <laughs> I mean, uh, I feel so kind of sad sometimes when I, I, I see people and, and they're so like uh, sad and depressed and, um, and, and a lot of it is because they feel like they're not living the life they want to live. And I think, you know, society has this, this whole thing of like, oh, just, you know, just do what you love or like, you know, YOLO and all of these like, but it's not about that, you know, it's not as simple as that. It's, it takes time, it takes a lot of like suffering and, and dedication and, and, and years and years and years and then maybe one day you will get to where you want to get, but start from somewhere, you know, start by living your truth. And take it step by step. It, it could be as simple as like, um, you know, just making those daily choices between like, you know, who you want to be around or what you want to eat or like how you want to spend that hour that you have to yourself. You know, I understand that people live extremely busy lives and have kids and a job and a huge loan and all of that. But there's always time for yourself. There's always that time for you to like look deep within yourself and... and, and I think the more you do that, day by day by day, it could be just those 10 minutes a day, the more you do that, those bigger answers will come, become smaller answers because you'll be able to slowly tick those boxes out, off because you'll slowly you know, just get more and more confidence because you'll be finally comfortable in your own skin. And I think that's... You know, we, there's this whole thing of like you only have one life and life is short and yes, you only have one life... You know, first of all, life is yours, and it's yours for the taking. And life is only short if, if you make it short. And I think the more that you speak your truth, and the more that you live your truth, the more you realize that, you know, there is so much to life. And, you know, sometimes I think maybe you could, like, um, kind of... Um, you, you probably feel the same way in the sense that, you know you get so inspired by so many, you know, the infinite amount of things that you would like to do. And I think that's only come from a space of you first really getting to know yourself and getting to know who you are as a person. And then probably once that happened, you, you know, all these things just started like kind of coming to you. I don't know, but that's how I feel it's, it happens for me anyway. So glad I asked you that question. <laughs> Beautiful answer and so much wisdom in that. I think we found the title for today's podcast, Live yeah. Your Truth. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's part of the Grassy Hopper Manifesto, actually. We have a, a whole paragraph where we sum up the different values. It starts eat clean, seek the experience of being alive, do meaningful things. And a part of it is truth, live it, speak it, feel it. Amazing. So, yeah, that's definitely we're on the same page there. Cool. So thank you everyone for listening to this podcast. I really hope that you got some inspiration and some wisdom from Dave's amazing story. And we will have many more speakers along this theme. And if anyone would like to suggest speakers who are having an amazing story that, that would inspire others, I, I want to hear. I want to hear. <laughs> because I'm sure there are so many people doing things on this island in their small, quiet way. Um, you know, inspiration doesn't have to be, like you said, to the masses. It's, it's sometimes found in just the smallest choices. So I, I hope that this podcast will be a platform where we can share these stories and, and inspire each other. And every time I hear your story, Dave, I get a little bit more inspired as well. So 
Oh, so amazing. thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Pleasure. Should we go for a set? Produced by Monochrome Keys. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers!